great to see everyone here for another Grit Bertman Coaches Cafe. I'm really excited again about our discussion as we kick off the new year, talking about this whole idea of sharing and how that contributes to our team building. I'm especially happy to have Jen Vernum with us. Jen, uh, your title again with Providence? Manager of Organizational Transformation. And Providence is, is a, quite a large healthcare provider on the West Coast. So I uh, work for the Oregon region. So we are responsible for thinking about change strategies for Oregon. Change strategies and helping teams and team leaders to adapt to right. change. Yep. Well, this particular subject, I think, would be very uh, pertinent in your setting, as it is for all of us, this idea of masks that we wear when we are in a team setting, how we obscure perhaps ourselves and our own thoughts, our deepest thoughts, our deepest feelings that we might be reluctant to share with other people. So let's dive right in and talk some about the article that you've written for us. Uh, fantastic article, by the way. Thank you. Um, well thought through. This whole idea of uh, vulnerability and that relating to our brokenness, I want to get to that uh, as we start out talking about the idea of masks in general, why we wear masks. We wear masks to hide ourselves from other people. I like the way you framed it because you talked about why it is so frightening for us to allow other people to know us as we really are. Why, why do you think that is? So, so just to paint a little bit more of a picture in my, in my worldview, I live on the West Coast. So on the West Coast is, you know, a lot of uh, Native American heritage. Um, Pacific Northwest Coast Indians is kind of a, a genre of, of Indians. And when I was in grade school, we would learn about their artwork. And in college, um, we would talk about kind of the cultural significance of um, their practices. And so one of the things we learned about was mask making and the process of wearing a mask during celebrations, um, kind of participating in, in ceremonial dances and what it meant to the person who was the dancer wearing this mask. And these masks were huge. Um, you know, if you go into museums now, they're, they're sometimes three feet long and they're made out of cedar. They're, I mean, I can't imagine how heavy they are to put on. But when a, when a person puts on that mask, they're putting on the persona of, of an animal or a spirit that they are trying to emulate. And they're trying to take on that power um, and those qualities of whatever image they're bearing. And I think in our world today, it's really appealing to think if I put on this thing, I can be what I want to be um, in my own power, in my own ability. I think the other thing that's interesting about this too, and I, I was up late last night thinking about this, not, not, this did not keep me up late, but I was up late and I, I, my mind was thinking. And I think one of the pieces that is kind of compelling is that in those tribes, we, they learned those dances from their parents. They learned them from their society, their culture, the expectations of the people around them. So, so to drop hold that thread, you know, what are the things that we're trying to take on on our own shoulders, the weight that we're putting on because we think we need to be good enough because of the norms and the expectations that are maybe put on us by our families, by our societies, the communities we're in. 
I don't know if that's too much of a stretch, Larry. What do you think? Well, yeah, and it, you know, it, it sounds like what you're talking about is trying to pretend that we are someone or put up a false front to to make people believe that we are something that we really are not. Uh, a fear to just be who we are. Right. Right. And, Instead of who we want to be, who God made us, you know, as He made us. Yeah. So the the first step to that perhaps is accepting me as I am. This is. This is the me that God has made me. Granted, given my background, my experiences, how I have made choices that have contributed to this, but right now this is who I am. Uh, maybe I'm going to be someone different. I hope I'm going to be someone different in the future. But right, right now, this is who I am. Right. Warts and all. Warts and all, yeah. Uh, but we're still afraid to share that with people because of how we think they might respond to it, right? Yeah, yeah. And if we are not willing to share with them, how can we expect them to share with us? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so, so really, so as you start in that kind of center of this concept, then I think the first thing is, do we have a right view of who we are and in, in relationship to God and how God sees us? And if we get, you know, at one, at one point when I was writing the article, one of the subtitles I wanted to put on was, Step one, let's get our own heads on straight, right? Let's first figure out for ourselves how, you know, the, our view of who we are in the world. And everything sort of falls out, you know, flows out from that, I think. Okay, yeah. First, first getting my head on straight then. Uh, could it be that sometimes we aren't even aware of the fact that we're wearing a mask then? I mean, that's a really interesting thing. Again, if you think about the expectations we've been sort of marinating in our whole lives, maybe, maybe we do, for, you know, forget to think about, okay, this, is this a, is this a biblical expectation or is this something that's, that's been a, you know, an accessory we've kind of hung on afterwards? Yeah. I mean, you know, thinking about the, the reality right now of I've, if I've been wearing a mask all day and I get in the car and I'm driving home and, you know, I, I may be 10 or 15 minutes down the road before I realize, oh, I don't have to wear my mask now. I'm in the car. But it's become such a part of, of my daily yeah. life that I almost forget that it's there. Yep. And, and taking the mask. OK, so sorry, this is we're maybe taking this analogy way too far. But in today's yeah. world, I was just complaining two days ago to somebody about I wonder how long it's going to take for me to be able to figure out how to take off my mask and leave my glasses on <laughs> because everything's tangled up in something else. Yeah. And so, you know, as we, as we, as we think about taking off the mask, we forget, but it also takes time and effort. Um, I could go into why I was up late last night, but that would take too much time. You know, we don't, we don't have time to talk through that. So, you know, I think that might be another piece. Well, you, you mentioned this verse though, from Ephesians 4, 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. That whole thing of feeling like I can trust you because we are part of the same body, that's, that's really hard to get to uh, because of maybe it is the egocentric thing that you mentioned. Uh, maybe it is because... Um, I don't want to be hurt or I've been burned before. I have opened up and been vulnerable to people and been burned before. I don't want to be burned again. Uh, so I don't feel the unity with other people because of the fact that I'm distancing myself uh, as I'm wearing my mask. 
Does that seem to ring true? Yeah. Yep. And I think too, not remembering that when I put on my mask, the group is affected by that. Even though I think it's, I'm, you know, subconsciously or consciously, I think that I'm doing pretty good with my mask. I've applied it pretty well. People, people see that they notice something's not quite there. It's not quite authentic. Do you think people really want to be that open deep down? Is there a desire to really want to be known that well? I think so. I, I mean, I'm all, maybe I'm a little too altruistic, but I think we can probably all think about times when we have been known and, and, and felt like we've been understood and how satisfying that feels. So let me ask you another question uh, without bringing names or time periods or anything like that in to identify people. But have you ever had a leader? Have you ever been part of a team where your leader set such an example of vulnerability that we're talking about from their own brokenness that they really created a team where that where it felt like a safe place to do that? Yeah, I have a funny story. One of the person who mentored me in change management um, she, she, and she felt comfortable enough to be transparent. And I had come from a place where transparency was not valued. Um, and, and so I just remember I was probably in my early thirties and going to a meeting and someone said something that was frustrating and she just kind of, I mean, it wasn't, it created the right tone. She just sort of threw her head on the table. Like, I can't believe that we are still at this point. And I remember thinking, wow, that was transparent. I can't believe that she felt so comfortable to present herself in that way. Was it professional? Probably not. Was it something that I do? John, I don't think you've ever seen me do that in a meeting, but (laughs) it was giving, it was setting a tone of, okay, I can be, I don't have to be polished all of the time. Um, I, I can, I can say what I really think, um, at the appropriate times, which I hope we get into that part of the, of the article too, because I don't yeah. think we maybe emphasize that as much as it maybe deserves. Yeah. In fact, I was headed there. That's a, that's a great segue to that because is there, is there perhaps a time when we give too much information? We're, we're more vulnerable than we ought to be, uh, right. You know, <laughs> This generation with Facebook and everything, you know, people just spilling out absolutely every detail of their life is is that too much? Yeah, I think. And and I was a counselor once at a church camp and we used to the, the staff used to talk laughingly about the campfire times and that the kids would just uh, kind of feed off of each other. And it became a, a time of what we called top that testimony. Like I can do you one better. You know, you were you were down and out on the street, but I was drunk. <laughs> these, these kids were 11. So, I mean, I'm just laughing. That was not really their case. But, you know, how can I stir up my story? Because I want that attention. And that's a really um, a raw, a raw feeling. And I think sometimes we get a little more sophisticated in why we might share inappropriately at different times. But to really, again, getting that head on straight, why is it that I want to share this now? Is it because it's going to help and edify the group? Is it because it's going to be a block for me and I can't get past it if we don't talk about it and I can't be a, I can't be a full contributor if we don't talk about this? Or is this something that maybe I do need to deal with in a different way um, and, and get my needs met in a different way? You know, so kind of taking that mature 
view of and the 30,000 foot view of if I if I talk about this now, is it going to is it going to bring about something that's edifying and helpful to the group? Then two things. Number one, for leaders setting the example. Number two, for the participant and thinking from the standpoint of the participant, what if I have a leader who is not setting that example? What can I do if I'm a leader for the team to try and build this this vulnerable kind of sharing in the team for the purpose of building unity? And what could I do as a participant in the team if my team leader is not setting that example for us? Well, I th- so, you know, as a as a leader, I think it does, it can't all happen in a group. So, you know, making sure that you do have real authentic connections with people individually, I think is helpful. Um, you know, if you're leading a large group, obviously you might not be able to do that with everyone, but how do you make people feel safe with you one-on-one? And so then when you come together, it's, it's natural to be safe and authentic. Um, yeah. I think also modeling um, your your authenticity in a way that people can see um, takes some personal sacrifice, takes some personal risk. So by, by talking about this in this group, um, uh, you know, I'm risking this. And I think even narrating for people, I'm going to bring this up, even though I'm a little nervous to do that. I'm, I'm not quite sure if this is the safe thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I think those things can help. What I, we've read some articles in the past that have talked about the value of not just modeling, but talking about what you're modeling, because people might not realize you're modeling something if you don't tell them, right? So that, as a leader, I think that's one, th- one way that you can go about it. And as a participant, again, that prayerful, I think, consideration, um, looking at where the leader wants to take the group, so trying to support that direction, and then and then again, kind of taking a, a, some risks, um, s- starting small at first, I think. And what about from the participant standpoint then, if, if my leader's not doing that? Yeah, if my leader's not doing that, I think, oh gosh, is it time to pivot to the audience yet? Can we ask them? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that there's a one, a one, a one pat answer, um, you know, is the leader not doing that, but you feel comfortable with them one-on-one, you know, maybe the leader can be encouraged by you doing the same thing. We can all be kind of, you know, informal, show leadership qualities, you know, informally in that way. That would be one thought. Um, I think prayer is really important. If this is a group that is, is trying to bring about God's work, um, then asking God to help in this, in this gap that you see, I think is, a pretty effective approach. Mm-hmm. Leading from the middle, leading from behind. Yeah. Just by example. Yeah. And prayer. And if we take that definition of leadership, that leadership is influence, then you can still exert your leadership, even though you don't have the position. Right. right. And yeah. and then again, self-monitoring. Why, why do I want to bring this up? Do I want to bring this up because I'm angry about something that, you know, am I trying to, am I trying to, you know, get somebody or, you know, if for my own purposes, or is this vulnerability going to help? So coming back to that other idea of be, you've got to find some balance there, I imagine, of being careful not to not to share too much that makes other people feel uncomfortable because you're just wide open with everything and they're not ready to be as open as you are. Right, right. And I think, again, you know, as a participant in, in a group, um, 
even making suggestions of, Hey, you know, next time we get together, what if we do it? What if we start with lunch, you know, and then opening it up with kind of getting to know you types of questions, you know, and, and making that point of, of, of helping the conversation go in a place that sort of softens the ground for authenticity. Yeah. And I know in the article, you said that, you know, a potluck dinner does not constitute, you know, real sharing automatically. But uh, I, I have been a part of a group where we did have that situation where the leader was not the the example setter in terms of sharing. But we had someone with the gift of hospitality in the group who would say, hey, everybody, uh, I, I, I'm just inviting everybody over for a social gathering on Friday night. Let's get together and we'll play some board games. And, you know, helping to build a sense of unity in the team by just getting together in an informal setting. And, you know, when we walked in, the very first instructions we were given were, now, let's see if we can have an entire evening without bringing work into the meeting. Uh, yeah. Can we have a social gathering that is strictly a social gathering and we will we can talk about anything in the world except work? And it, boy, it was a challenge, you know, because our whole lives together was built around what we did at work. So we had to find other things to share with each other uh, outside of work. And that started to build some of that. Open and I scene. think there, you know, as I mentioned, there are things online. Our team has these little poker chips that have questions, funny questions um, that kind of prompt that. And, you know, we called through the poker chips and pulled out the ones that were inappropriate. That's a little note to keep in mind, but the ones that we thought would be accessible to everyone. Um, one of them, one of them was, you know, have you ever been arrested? Well, we probably don't want to bring that up at work. So <laughs> we put that one aside, yeah. um, but even just, you know, pull out your phone and scroll back to the, to the most recent, to one of your favorite photos and show your photo. I mean, it can be anything to, but I think you're right. It can be helpful to have somebody give you some prompts so you don't stall out on, well, we've always only talked about work. So what are we going to talk about today? Yeah. Trying to stimulate people to think in terms of what can I do? There, there are some steps that we can take, regardless of where you are positionally in the team. There are some things that we can do that can set an example of vulnerability, sharing from our brokenness, so that we can actually build unity in the team. That's going to result in a team being much more effective, much more um, productive. And I, yeah. I guess that's the thing. Do we see that teams really are more productive when they are doing this? I mean, I think, yes. If you have a team that you look forward to being around because they're your tribe, they're your people, they know who you are, uh, you're going to, you're going to show up in a different way than if it's, oh, I got to go do this because I said I was going to do it. And it's really not, you know, I, 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 there's, we get something, we, 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 uh, become stronger and yeah. are fed when we're in more of that fellowship place. Hey folks, if you want to read the entire article, go to the gripbertman.com website, scroll down to what's the latest or you can type in gripbertman.com slant sharing. And the full recorded cafe is on the Grip Bertman Coaches Cafe YouTube channel with uh, more dialogue and comments from our panel of GB coaches attending the live cafe. We meet every month on the first Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern. Hope to see you there next month. 
Jen, thank you so much for a really stimulating uh, dialogue. Uh, we may need to come back and revisit this, uh, this subject again uh, very soon. And I hope this will be useful to all of us as we try to help individuals and teams build unity in the body of Christ so that more people will know Jesus. Thank you again, folks. Bye-bye.